This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Oh, it is fun to be back with you on the Tuesday after a Monday night football win at the Meadowlands over the New York Giants. It was hard-earned. It wasn't easy. You were behind. But again, at the end of all of this, when you start tallying up, does it say win or not next to the Giants game? It does! 25-23, and welcome in to the latest edition of our recap podcast. We're here after each and every Buccaneer game as part of Nothing But Bucks. Glad to have you with us, whether you found us through a social media link, through Buccaneers.com, the Buccaneers mobile app. A reminder to subscribe to this podcast as well on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts. Search for Nothing But Bucks. It'll come automatically to you. Ding on that phone whenever there's a new one. Usually about midday after the games are played. By the time we get everything done, recorded with all the highlights, with all the interviews, our special guests that join us from time to time. We are ready to do all of that. But thank you for finding us and be looking for us after games are played. This is what we do on the show. Uh, historical night because the Bucks haven't won many times. Uh, at the Meadowlands, for sure, against the Giants in their history, the Giants or the Jets had only won, in fact, one other time. On a Monday Night Football, had a dead-even record of 11 and 11 on all time coming into this game. Uh, but you know, a couple a couple of things need to be uh, said here. The air of confidence around this team, especially off the Green Bay win, and then going out to Vegas and getting the victory. Veteran players, talented players. Uh, you feel like that you, that you can win every week right now. You feel like you stack up well with everybody. But I thought Bruce Arians said in our pregame show on Buccaneers Radio, hey, we're not good enough right now to just assume that we're going to walk in against anybody, especially some of the bottom teams in the league, and just be able to beat them. In particular, if you're going to make mistakes, that's trouble too. If you're going to turn the ball over, have penalties, blown coverages, things like that. Buccaneers found a way after being behind in this game because they played basically mistake-free in the second half, and it was the Giants making mistakes. And and you remember, this is a rematch of a game a year ago, won by New York, won by Daniel Jones on the fourth down carry uh, in the final moments of that game in September of 2019. Ultimately, the Bucs did get back into field goal range in the final seconds, only to have Matt Gay miss it, a heartbreaking, crushing loss. But Jones' first start of his NFL career and obviously his New York Giants career is a win over the Bucs. So you were looking for some payback. You were looking for finding a way uh, to put the Giants away and don't give them life. But it would not be easy in this one. All right, let me set the table for what we have. We're going to have highlights coming up straight ahead uh, of everything that went on in this game. Gene and, and Dave on the calls, and, and I'm part of that Buccaneer radio broadcast as well. We'll get to interviews with Coach Bruce Arians. You'll hear from Tom Brady. You'll hear from Mike Evans off the win. Uh, how fantastic. I, I mean, we keep saying this over and over again, as Tom Brady been. But in any event, you'll hear from him. You'll hear from Mike. You'll hear from Sean Murphy Bunting, all as part of this uh, podcast, all as part of what we are doing. Um, and again, first place for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off the win at 6-2. and two. The Saints will be coming in. More on that game uh, coming up at the end of the podcast here. But the Saints for Sunday night football will be for first place. And I keep saying the same thing that I have said all through October now that we flipped the calendar in November, that especially on the offensive side of the ball, how does this team look? Whenever it needs touchdowns, whenever it needs points, they are there to be had with the Hall of Famer at the con- at the controls. Uh, frankly, you just have confidence they're going to be able to score. You can't shut these guys down with too many weapons. If you don't beat yourselves with mistakes, uh, with turnovers and penalties, they're going to score. And, and even while kicking field goals last night, I felt like, hey, if you get the ball back, you're going to get a touchdown the next time. And finally they did. And they actually got two more uh, touchdowns the two total touchdowns as the game went on that ended up being the difference in the game. Too much weaponry, 
too calm and cool. We'll go over Brady's stats uh, as the show goes on here for what he threw for last night, what he's done the last five or six games. But, folks, you cannot emphasize enough after after having game after game the last few seasons seasons of turnovers and mistakes, look at the magnification of take care of the ball. Take care of the ball and look what happens. Look what happens with winning and how you consistently continue to win. I, I must have said this 10 different ways, 10 times on this podcast over the course of the last three years that we've done it that you look at all the successful teams, the most common thing they have is they don't turn the ball over and they don't self-inflict with penalties, especially offense now that we're talking about, over and over again. Winning teams don't do that. And so it correlates. The Bucks are winning, and in large part winning because they've cleaned up, giving the ball away and cleaned up the penalties. Yes, there were a couple of sacks in this one, but uh, from the offensive line, but by and large, a fairly clean game, and, and Brady had a lot of time to throw and a lot of time to make decisions. So we're going to get into the highlights coming up. We'll get into the interviews coming up. Um, and one more, too, uh, for all of this, for all of the debate, for all of the blather about whether or not Tom Brady was a, was a byproduct of the system in New England and Bill Belichick's coaching. Uh, what was it? I think it was both. But if you need to lean one way or the other right now, look at how the Bucks look with Tom Brady. And as somebody who repeatedly said he had nothing, Brady, to work with in New England except Julian Edelman in 2019, and yet they still won the division and made the playoffs with essentially like a pinto of weapons. Now he comes here, and, and he has got a, uh, an Indy car, a Formula One car, a, uh, a, a Ferrari Uh, Not that I know anything about these uh, sports cars, a Maserati, a Porsche. I'm not a sports car kind of guy. But look at the weapons that Brady has to work with. Look at the difference with the weapons he has to work with. And look at what's going on in New England where they're trying to make it work with Cam Newton with the weapons that they don't have in New England and have now started the season two and five. So in any event, uh, congrats to the Bucs for getting a win. Uh, it It was not pretty at times. Uh, But ugly wins still count as wins, and Bruce Arians will speak more to that coming up. And so, with all of that being said, let's get to those highlights from Monday Night Football, where the Buccaneers were 11-11 all-time on Monday night. Hadn't played on Monday night that often in recent years. Some of that has to do with the fact that if you don't win, you're not as attractive on Monday Night Football. Of course, we knew with Tom Brady signing and with all the weapons on offense, Gronkowski coming in out of retirement, all the great players on defense. Shaq Barrett leads the league in sacks a year ago. Uh, the, the way that uh, this team definitely was poised uh, to have a big season, that it would be on national television several times. It's the first of two games on Monday Night Football. This one at the Meadowlands against those 1-6 and six Giants. And the Bucks lost the opening toss, but New York deferred the decision of the second half and elected to kick off uh, to start the game. So the Bucks get the ball and come right down the field. Solid opening drive. We've seen this time and again from Tom Brady. We don't have a highlight but it ends up being an 11-play, 57-yard drive to start the game. That included Scotty Miller catching a 19-yard pass, uh, Cameron Brait with a 10-yard catch on a third and two. You move into scoring territory, got actually into the fringe area of the red zone at the 18-yard line, but unable to get a first down. And so that led to the lead for the Bucks right here. 37-yard field goal attempt. From Ryan Suckup, see if the Bucs can get on the low snap, dug out nicely, and the kick just inside the right upright. And the Buccaneers lead 3 to nothing. 
point. Nice job by Bradley Pinion to take a low snap and get the leather turned around. And the uh, field goal is good from 37. And these are the calls of the Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Ryan Suckup, who's been so money kicking field goals this season. Knocks home the 37-yard field goal for an early 3-0 lead, so it's a good start. The offense puts points on the board. You get your defense out on the field. The defense is able to get a good stop as well uh, as they force the New York Giants to punt. But then with the Buccaneers backed up in their own territory, second play from scrimmage on the second possession. This is one thing that we have been discussing, that it's a way for a bad team like what New York is to stay in the game is to make mistakes. This was a big one. Sidecar right, Mickens, a start tonight in motion. Here's the snap, dropping Brady underneath. The ball is caught by Jones. He fumbled the ball, it's loose, recovered by the Giants. Did he have possession of the ball? It was, it's a recovered fumble. The Giants have it at the Buccaneer 11-yard line. So the ball coughed up by Ronald Jones. There was initially some confusion there, even with Gene trying to, trying to figure out what happened because Jones was on the ground. He's getting up. Blake Martinez has got a hand in there. Did he have possession? They ultimately, they, they called it correctly on the field, which is go ahead and call it a fumble and then let replay review determine whether you got it right. Because if you call it incomplete, then there's no way to overturn it and turn it into a fumble. So by the mechanics of the officiating, they got that call correct to then leave it up to replay. And again, the official explanation was that Jones clearly had possession while on the ground and then the football move was attempting to get up off the ground when Hernandez stripped him. So the end result is the Giants have the ball with a golden opportunity to put it in. It took them three plays, and on third down, they did score. Bucks threaten the blitz, and here it comes. Daniel Jones looking, lob, back shoulder, pass toward the end zone, caught ball. It is a touchdown, Giants. Deion Lewis on a wheel route, the perfect throw by Daniel Jones, and the Giants take the lead. It's 6-3. So many times that Dion Lewis has done that throughout his career uh, from Tom Brady in particular in New England, also played last year in Tennessee, catching that kind of pass from Ryan Tannehill and now from Daniel Jones, a seven-yard touchdown, puts New York in front at that point, 7-3, so the turnover immediately leads to seven points. Buccaneers then had a drive going with a couple of first downs. But ultimately, it's stalled out, and the Giants get the ball back, and New York starts making plays again, not playing like a team with only one victory. Uh, but instead, Daniel Jones is able to hit Darius Slayton for 14 yards, hits him again for 11 yards. They're on the move. The surprising thing uh, was being able to run the ball. They kept using Wayne Gallman uh, to run it through the inside. They even got the ball uh, out of the read option to... Uh, on one occasion to Evan Ingram around uh, on the read option uh, kind of jet sweep. They pitched it to him on the inside, so they did a good job. Jason Garrett, the former Cowboys coach, is the play caller, mixing up the read option, the pitches, the handoffs. Didn't really see D Daniel Jones in his first half or even the game really carry it that much. He was not a weapon with his legs, but now New York moved into scoring position after the little flip to Ingram, who got 12 yards and was out of bounds at the two. That led to this. Quick snap on first and goal, running to the left. Touchdown, New York Giants. They are just smashing their way ahead, running to the left side behind two rookie linemen. And Wayne Goldman has another giant touchdown, and they lead 13-3. Goldman powering it in, and you look up, and it's 14-3 in favor of New York, playing with a lot of confidence. But I have to say, I'm not just saying this after the fact, day after here on the uh, press conference. 
Uh, But this is the feeling that I have had all season long with Tom Brady at the controls. 14-3 in the second quarter is not insurmountable with a Hall of Famer like that. And I had every belief this team is built for offense with weapons everywhere. The Giants aren't going to stop the Bucs for the entire game. You're going to be able to come back. And it was important to go get some points. And that's what the team was able to do on the next drive. Try to answer. You wanted to get a touchdown. You move the ball a little bit uh, there at the end of the first half on a on a uh, six-play, 53-yard drive late in the first half, just like the two-minute drill in Las Vegas resulted in a touchdown. You got a couple of completions, including one to Mike Evans uh, for 12 yards, another one to Tyler Johnson for 15 yards. You're moving into scoring range, but ultimately you don't get the first down. And on third down, uh, you're looking for Mike Evans, and he's short of the line to gain on the catch. So the end result is you get another field goal from Ryan Suckup, making the game 14-6 at halftime. Didn't get the touchdown to make it 14-10, but still a field goal that makes the game 14-6 at this stage. All right, so that would lead to the second half of this game. And the Buccaneers, again, have been very good coming out of the locker room, making adjustments on both sides of the ball. And right away, the defense puts pressure on Daniel Jones into his first big mistake of the night. Out of the shotgun formation, moving right the snap. Jones looking, looking, under pressure, under pressure. Gets the pass away. It's intercepted. Picked off at the 40-yard line. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a takeaway, and it's Carlton Davis. Again, these are the calls of Mean Gene Deckerhoff. Uh, Dave Moore on Buccaneers Radio. Carlton Davis's fourth interception of the season, which ties him for the lead in the National Football League now through eight weeks of play. Uh, as he comes up with that pick and it sets up the Bucks to be able to go in immediately and get a touchdown and be right back in this game. But give the Giants credit, even though the Buccaneers moved from midfield into Giant territory, uh, they were able to get a first down on a third down to Leonard Fournette. Uh, or actually, it was a fourth down play. It was incomplete to Fournette on third down. Fourth down play completion to Jadon Mickens. Uh, he makes a good play uh, to pick up the first down on that one. They moved uh, to within the 25, but could get no further. Brady throwing incomplete to Scotty Miller uh, for the third down play. So field goal again from Ryan Suckup makes the game 14-9. to you, you again... You began to wonder here, you got to have touchdowns. You're not going to win the game with field goals. But I was trusting in the Hall of Famer Brady to be able to make plays and just thought it was a matter of time. If the defense can keep giving you the ball back, you're going to be able to do that. That's exactly what this defense was able to do and continued uh, to do. And so after that suck-up field goal makes the game 14-9. All right, so it would not take the Buccaneers long, though, after that field goal. Of course, you would have wanted to have a touchdown there at 14-9, but you just knew you keep giving Brady the ball, you're going to find a way to get in the end zone. The defense just needs to do its job. They got a three and out of the Giants. Bucks get the ball back and immediately march. Leonard Fournette picks up seven yards, picks up seven yards on a second carry on this drive. Rob Gronkowski over the middle for 16 yards. Mike Evans then a catch for 20 yards, not featured here in the highlights. Brady just surgical on this drive, and eventually a pass interference on the Giants. Again, they kept finding ways to mess this up. And for all the talk about James Bradbury and his success on Mike Evans, he got a pass interference here late in the third quarter, uh, going against Mickens, holding him from trying to catch a long one in the end zone. That uh, that sets up a uh, as a spot foul, a first and goal at the three-yard line and the first touchdown of the night. 
Play action fake. Brady throws toward the end zone. Caught ball. Gronkowski. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Boy, that co- combination clicks for the 93rd time, and they're now second place all time in quarterback to receiver touchdowns. Yes, Rob Gronkowski hauls it in. Third straight game with a touchdown. As uh, as Brady put that right on the money after the play action there, there was even uh, a moment where it looked like, okay, wait a minute, uh, might they call that incomplete? Now, Gronkowski not only had possession, but he had three feet down uh, before the ball was knocked away. Interesting that the Bucks and Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich would look at the card, at the chart about going for two, and I'm I'm a big proponent of this. What, what do I know? But I've always heard coaches talk about this. I've watched it backfire so many different times. Don't start chasing points with two-point conversions in the third quarter. You've got a whole fourth quarter to go. Again, uh, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, Hall of Famer Tom Brady, they're feeling confident about a two-point play. They went for the two-point play, couldn't get the ball to Mike Evans over in the left corner of the end zone. Uh, so it, it turns out that uh, the game remains 15-14 to 14, uh, at that point. So, again, would these points be big later on in the game? They actually would be big later on in the game, so we'll bring that up uh, as things go along. All right, New York got the ball back uh, at this stage, and the Giants able to put a drive together of their own that was a 10-play, 58-yard drive. They got a field goal out of it to retake the lead at 17-15. Buccaneers on this uh, chilly Monday night then punt the ball. Now you started to get a little concerned that can the Giants bleed the clock? Can they get a touchdown against the Buccaneer defense to to put you behind by two scores because you're already leading 17-15? The answer is no. The Buccaneer defense would come up large yet again here in this situation. Jones looking to his right, still looking flushed out. He's going to be, he gets, oh, he throws the ball upfield. It's intercepted, picked off, and the Buccaneers have the takeaway. Sean Murphy bunting with the interception. And again, pressure on Daniel Jones. And the second-year quarterback commits a no-no, and the Bucs will take over. Sean Murphy bunting, who you will hear from in just a bit here on Nothing But Bucks, the second-year defensive back. Big play. Yes, Shaq Barrett hanging all over Daniel Jones on the throw. The Buccaneer pass rush kept harassing him. Great job by Murphy Bunting to come up with the pick. And again, give credit where it is due to the Bucs because they're able to turn that interception immediately into another touchdown, taking just six plays to do it. A couple of uh, Leonard Fournette gains. uh, And then uh, Jaden Mickens, an eight-yard catch. Um, And then uh, you move into scoring range as uh, Tyler Johnson catches that 20-yard catch. We'll talk to Coach Arians about that 20-yard catch on first and 20 that sets you up. Cameron Brait then a catch with a penalty enforced for helmet-to-helmet hit. So it's a 25-yard catch for Brait on a great throw from Brady. Great route by Cam Brait. The the half the distance to the goal line penalty sets it up for first and goal at the eight-yard line. Critical play with the Bucs trailing 17-15. From the nine-yard line, Brady lob pass, back shoulder toward Michael. He makes the catch as he inbounds. Touchdown, Tampa Bay! What a catch by Evans. Perfect throw by Brady. And the Buccaneers are now 22 for 22 on goal to go. That's from the nine-yard line. Bucs take the lead. 21 to 17. Mike Evans' seventh touchdown of the year that reties him for the NFL lead through eight weeks of the season. Came up huge and beat Bradbury again. For all the talk in New York and elsewhere about Bradbury's going to have a night where he can lock down Mike Evans and all their battles uh, in Carolina. Mike kept getting the better of him when it mattered uh, last night, uh, including uh, catching that touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown 
interesting again on the charts and on the math. This is uh, this is just the facts for all the analytics of the stuff. The Bucks score there uh, with some uh, what nine minutes left in the game to go up at that point, twenty-two to seventeen, and there's no difference in being up by five points or being up by four points in this instance. The the touchdown again uh, made the game uh, at that stage. 21-17 actually. So you're up by four. There's no difference again in being up by four or being up by five. Either way, two field goals beat you or a touchdown beat you. But it's interesting that the Bucks went ahead and kicked the extra point. Again, that's up to, to uh, Coach Arians. That's up to Byron Leftwich on that decision on the math. Uh, they kick the extra point, remain up by five. I guess the only thing that could have been in the back of their mind is if the Giants get a touchdown, if the Giants go for it and make it, that's two big ifs, including the second big if of getting the two-point conversion. They would be up by three, and you could still tie them with a field goal if you're kicking the extra point to go up by five. Then if you followed me along there, even if the Giants get an eight-point play, touchdown and a two, they're only up by three. A field goal still ties. I don't know that they were forward-thinking enough with that. But again, they kicked the extra point with Ryan Suckup, took the point there, made the game 22-17. to 17. All right, so that sets up the sequence of events that would end this game, and they were wild as we continue through the Monday night highlights. Uh, more of the Buccaneer defense putting pressure on, including Indomitian Sue here coming up with a big sack. A minute 56 left. Out of the gun formation. Bucks have pressure. JPP goes after. He sacked for the third time. JPP forced him out of the pocket. And who picked him up? And Dominican Sue has the quarterback sack. Our third of the game. Sue able to bring Daniel Jones down. That's one of three sacks on the night. They also had a couple of holding penalties uh, against uh, the Giant offensive line while they were making plays. Ultimately, the Giants forced a punt. And the Buccaneers would uh, make a couple of plays. You were looking for the clinching touchdown up 22-17. If you go, go get a touchdown, put the extra point up there and make it 29-17, that's going to be game over. Couldn't do it. Kicked a Ryan suck-up field goal. And so that now set up the end sequence of the game where Daniel Jones trailing 25-17, trying to lead the Giants down the field. As I made mention at the beginning of the podcast, we had seen him as a rookie a year ago, lead a clutch drive in the final two minutes and score on a fourth down quarterback draw to to give them the lead and eventually hang on and win the game on the missed Matt Gay field goal. All right, now the only thing they could hope for after the Bucks led by eight was go down and get a tying touchdown and a tying two. That would be big. So here we go uh, for the end sequence of the game at 25-17. And, uh, and the Giants able to convert a fourth and 15, which I'm going to use the word. I'm sure if Todd Bowles was here, he would use more colorful uh, language. The word is inexcusable. This, this defense, which got pushed around some, can't give up a fourth and 15 in the clutch to Daniel Jones and the bad New York Giants. That's exactly what they did. I realize the Giants are paid professionals. They're trying, blah, blah, blah. But you give up a fourth and 15 as what happened on that touchdown drive. When Jones was able to get the cut, should have been game over. Should have been game over earlier um, when Levante David had an interception right in his hands and couldn't come up with it on a throw over the middle. So Jones found Sterling Shepard for 20 yards on fourth and 16, where the Bucks dropped seven guys and gave up the first down. Uh, then Jones found Shepard again for 10 yards, 
And then eventually, here is the highlight. A tremendous throw and catch gets New York on the doorstep of being able to tie the game. 50 backfield, Jones takes the snap, gets the pass toward the end zone. It is a caught ball touchdown. New York Giants, Golden Tate with a fingertip grab in the back of the end zone. And the Buccaneers have let the Giants off the hook. And they're two points away from tying this ball game, 25 to 23. Golden Tate with the leaping touchdown, got the toes in, got the feet in in the back of the end zone. Um, and I said this to Ronnie Lane on our Hooters postgame show uh, when everything was done late night on Monday night, early Tuesday morning, in talking back and forth with him. If, if, if we're in 2020 and it's a weird time, crazy time, there are no fans at some of these games, no fans at the Meadowlands in New Jersey under their state government and, and social distancing guidelines. If that is a normal circumstance where there's 75,000 at MetLife Stadium and Golden Tate makes that play, they'd have, they'd have blown uh, the rule. Well, there's not a rule. They'd have, they'd have made that place nuts on uh, the, the ground would have been shaking. I, I even said on uh, to Ronnie, it would have been like an earthquake in East Rutherford, New Jersey, had uh, had there been fans there. There's no fans there, so it's a sterile environment. It's bizarre. It's crazy. So now they line up to go for two to the Giants. Then the Bucks call timeout after seeing the formation. Giants come right back out of the timeout, use a little different formation, but basically have the same play in mind, send Deion Lewis in motion and swinging the ball to try to get the tying two-point conversion. Here is the way that Mean Gene called it. Lewis goes in motion, and here's the snap. Jones looking, Jones looking, fires a pass toward the end zone. It is a complete pass. Great play by Antoine Winfield, as the end result is a flag thrown, but eventually picked up, and the, the pass is incomplete. Basically game over. Justin Watson recovered the onside kick right after that, but this was the ball game. And I know the New York media went crazy and their fan base went crazy about the incompletion and the flag being thrown. But I say here again what I said on the air on Monday night uh, on Buccaneers Radio. That's the wrong official throwing that flag. That the, the judge that is the, the uh, back judge or, or whatever his official designation is that's standing in the back of the end zone, that's not his call from behind the play and 10 yards off the off the line of scrimmage. The side judge or the linesman that is right there on the line of scrimmage and the goal line watching that play, that's his call. It's closest to him. It's right in front of him, coming at him. And I thought Brad Rogers, the referee, did an excellent job in the mechanics of the officiating of getting them together on, okay, you two are disagreeing, but I am going to side with the guy that is closest to the play who says, I didn't see interference. I saw Winfield get there at the same time. Again, New York fans are up in arms about picking up the flag. It should have been a flag. You watch the play at full speed. Winfield is right there as the ball is there. And Winfield breaks the pass up. It's not a good pass. It's not out in front of Deion Lewis. It's thrown late. And Winfield made a great play to come across the formation as Deion Lewis went in motion, chase him, and get his body between him and the ball. The contact is maybe a nanosecond as the ball is getting there, but in real time, that's a football play. Sorry, Giant fan. And further, for so many years... The Giants, as a Super Bowl contending team, would get calls like that, including in New York, obviously at home. But when you are bad, and we have seen this with Buccaneer games, this is the way officiating works. 
Whether you're whether you're talking about the Bucks being bad, the Bengals are perennially bad, or the Jaguars when you're the Browns when you're perennially bad, you're not going to get calls. The Giants have been bad for years now. You're not going to get calls. And the officials again did the correct thing in huddling up. And uh, this is undeniable. When they go and have those huddles, they're discussing who saw what, especially on a controversial play on this. And the guy closest to the play did not throw the flag to get overruled. That's a vital part of the controversial moment. So the New York media screaming about that play afterwards because, again, it's a huge uh, moment there where Winfield makes the play. What a job that rookie has done, this young secondary. We're going to talk much more about that. Uh, here in just a few moments with the interviews, uh, etc. They get the stop. Bucks recover the onside kick. Neal on the ball, and a 6-2 and two start is completed with a 25-23 comeback. Third time this year, the Bucks have been down by double figures and won the game. Against the Chargers, down by 17, they win. Against the Packers, down by 10, they win. Both of those at home, down by 11 Monday night. They win again. Only the second ever win in the Meadowlands. Uh, against either the Giants or the Jets. Second time to beat the Giants. Never beaten the Jets in the Meadowlands, although we play them so so fewer uh, in the AFC-NFC matchups. But great comeback victory. Great because this game, they all count. This game could be vital at the end of the year for tiebreaker purposes to win the division or not. One loss record, etc. Playoff seeding. So you got to get the wins, especially in a game that you're supposed to win, where you're a double-digit favorite, as the Buccaneers were. So 25-23 is the final. Let's get to our post-game conversations, mentioning the Hooters post-game show once more, including the head coach, Bruce Arians, about how his team was able to go get this win. Here, your team turned it around in the second half. What are the reasons? There's got to be a couple of them that come to mind immediately. What are the reasons that you were able to turn this around in your favor and get the win? Uh, turnovers. You know, we uh, we got the ball. We needed something good to happen coming out of halftime, and uh, we got the turnovers, and we got points off the turnovers both times. And uh, um, I mean, I thought that turned the ball game around. Let's talk about Carlton Davis while we just have a second. He gets another interception, his fourth one of the year. He's one of the best man-to-man corners developing right now in the NFL. Just speak more to him. And, that, and again, that was a big momentum play to start the second half, his interception. There's no doubt. And uh, Shaq, Shaq did a great job. He had him wrapped up both interceptions. Shaq, really, Shaq caused both of them. He had the quarterback in the grasp, and he tried to make a play. Uh, and a big, strong kid, he tries to make plays, and it costs him. But, uh, yeah, he uh, Carlton is playing lights out right now. And, uh, you know, we get everybody else to play up at his level, we'll be fine. You got the touchdown to Rob Gronkowski in the back of the end zone. Once again, Tom Brady just calm, waited for that, put the ball where his guy could get it. Uh, just tell me more about that duo, how fun it is to coach them and to see that execution again when you needed it. Oh, it's fantastic. Both of them, Robbie's he's a lot of fun. And, obviously, Tom is uh, – you know, the, the ultimate pro and uh, did a good fake, got the ball. Actually, the ball got tipped, but uh, Grunt held on to it. But really good play by both of them. All right, key sequence, obviously, near the end of the game. You're able to get a stop. You get the ball uh, after the Murphy bunting interception and go down and get points. I know one of the plays you want to emphasize is you had a first and 20 I think it ended up even being second and long, if not second and 20, and Tyler Johnson came up with a huge, long grab to get you in position to go get a first down and eventually a touchdown on that drive. What about the play to the rookie? 
Yeah, I thought offensively that was the play of the game. And Tyler, uh, he just continues to grow and grow and make plays. Can you say enough about Mike Evans and talk about the touchdown in the corner of the end zone uh, there that eventually is the game winner? Yeah, actually we had a run play called and uh, and Mike Tom saw one on one. Of course, we're taking that every time. And uh, Mike made a great catch getting to that football and, and getting his shoulder in bounds. And uh, you know, Mike had a heck of a ball game. Could could have really had a, a huge game if uh, we would have got it to him a few more times. This game came down to the Giants trying to tie it. They did get the touchdown on a great leaping catch by Golden Tate. Comes down to a two-point play, and your rookie safety, Antoine Winfield, gets over there in the nick of time to get a hand in the way, his body in the way, and break it up. There was initially a flag that was picked up, but just talk about the play that ends up being the stop of the game to preserve the win, if you would. Yeah, I thought the referees made a good, you know, picked the flag up. He had his hands outstretched. The ball hit him in the back. There wasn't really any contact. He didn't go through the guy. So I, th I thought that was a really good play. Then, you know, getting the onside kick iced the game. It's interesting that you took time out. Uh, you saw their formation. You took time out. Did you believe that White was going to be the guy all the way from what you had seen? Did you smell that as a coaching staff, or was that just great instincts by the guys on the field? No, it's a situation where we call it a Kodak. Most guys don't even know what Kodak is because you don't take pictures. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you let them come out of the huddle, show their formation, call a timeout, and then hopefully defend it. Same thing with the onside kick. Well, and you're able to get that and you're able to get uh, the win. What does it say for your team uh, to gut one out like this that could have gone either way to get to 6-2 and two on the road, Coach? Well, it wasn't our best, but it was good enough to win, and we never apologized for winning. Amen on that. Coach, congratulations. Safe travels back home. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Like how that conversation ended with don't apologize for how you win. And I thought it was interesting that he revealed to us that the Evans touchdown was originally supposed to be a run play. How about the chemistry developing between Tom Brady and Mike Evans where they changed the play just by looking at each other. They understood single coverage, understood the route they wanted him to run against the single coverage without having to signal him, yell out anything. Uh, Brady just gave a different uh, code word or two to let them know, hey, it's not going to be a run. It's going to be a play action, and I'm going to fire it over there to, uh, to Mike Evans, who made a great leaping catch. Money, money, money. So many weapons, whether it's Gronk, get Chris Godwin healthy, Cameron Brait, Scotty Miller. I know uh, Miller went long on a, on a pass attempt and came up limping in the second half of the game, but even Jaden Mickens, uh, if he needs to make a play, Justin Watson. Give credit where it's due uh, in the win. Speaking of the Buccaneers quarterback, he spoke with the media after this latest comeback win to get the Buccaneers to 6-2. and two. Hey, Tom, um, can you talk how, how the uh, those, those interceptions uh, set you guys up a little bit again on offense and then your two big-time uh, throws to your, your guys, right, Gronk and, uh, and Mike Evans? Yeah, those helped a lot. Um, you know, the, the interceptions were huge for us. Uh, we turned one over early in the game, which, you know, backed up, kind of give them give them great field position, a touchdown. Um, and then defense really helped us out getting a, getting a few interceptions. And then um, the touchdown to Gronk, he made a great catch because the ball got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, he had great concentration on that. And then Mike's was an incredible catch. So those guys are making a lot of plays. We obviously didn't play uh, the way we were capable tonight. and um, But it's still good to go get a win, 6-2. and two. And, uh, you know, obviously um, got a big one coming up this week. 
Hey, Tom, what can you say about the performance of Antoine Winfield Jr. there on that two-point conversion attempt to close out the game? It was a great play. You know, I think he, he sensed the ball was coming and put his arm out, ball hit him in the arm. And uh, it was a, a, a game-saving play for us. You know, they converted whatever, fourth and 16, fourth and 17, and ultimately made a great throw and catch there to to uh, score. And then they had to make the two-point conversion. And, you know, it was a great, great, uh, great play, great job, you know, getting onside kick and uh, sealing the deal. Tom, obviously you guys were able to play better in the second half. Is there something you'd point to for why the offense struggled in the first half, why you had six points at the break? We just we didn't play anywhere anywhere near the way that we were capable of playing, and and uh, you know just execution. That's all it comes down to is we need to execute a lot better. I had guys open that I missed, and uh, I got to hit those guys that are open. Hey Tom, it looked like there was a little bit of of frustration at the end, having to settle for that field goal. Can you kind of just talk about that, and then your kicker Ryan Speckup has been money this year. Just can you speak to his performance as well? Yeah, Ryan kicked great and uh, made a bunch of huge kicks for us uh, tonight. Some curved in there at the last second, and uh, it was great. I wish we got the the third down, third and a half yard, and we came we lost a half yard. So that was, you know, we got to do a better job in those situations. Hey Tom, um, Bruce used the word energy when he described the way you guys started the game tonight. Not much energy. How hard is it to grind on a night like this? It's not hard to grind. I don't think that's. I think we should be able to do that. And he's right. You know, he's, we didn't play the way they were capable of playing. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to play a lot better than that. So uh, glad we got the win. Um, you know, going to have to keep learning and, and uh, understand what we got to do better and then go execute a lot better. Hey, Tom, obviously um, you'd probably prefer it to be not so close there down to the wire, but but victories like that um, when it was close in Chicago and it didn't go your way. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later you're here and you get it to go your way. I mean, what do you guys take out of that in terms of, of a learning experience, especially for younger guys on the team? Well, it's hard to win games in the NFL. I think any any way you cut it, it's hard to win. And it comes down a lot of times to end the game situations. And one play here, one play there, you know, it's it's very rarely where, you know, you win by seven touchdowns like you do in college football. So, you know, you make one play, you, you know, they make one play. It's just, um, you know, it's it's they made a good play on fourth and 17. And that gave him a chance. If it had to be stopped in there, you know, wouldn't have had the uh, dramatic finish that it had. So they made the play and we made a play. It's just ebbs and flows. That's football. Hey, Tom, what were your thoughts on the O-line's performance as well as the overall run game tonight? I thought the line did a great job. It was a, it's a big defensive front. They got a lot of really good players up front and they do a good job rushing. They do a good job in the run game. And, uh, the line fought really hard. So proud of those guys for their effort and execution. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep battling. Got the Bucks now get back to work on a short week with a Sunday night game with the New Orleans Saints. Full credit, though, for the comeback win with what they were able to do. Let's also hear from Mike Evans uh, in this one as part of the victory. Uh, again, uh, Mike deserves a lot of credit. He finished officially with five catches, 55 yards, none bigger than the touchdown for number 13. Here he was late night, Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Mike, I know this wasn't a pretty win, but just want to ask you about that throw from Tom. I mean, you guys needed a touchdown. Just, just what you did to, to get the team ahead there late. Uh, Tom, Tom just threw an unbelievable ball of all. And, uh, you know, it's been tough getting one-on-one coverage uh, throughout the game. But when you saw it, you know, he threw, threw a perfect ball and uh, made the catch. Mike, what does it say for you guys that you can play an imperfect game like this and still come out with a win? It means a lot. You know, in the past, we would have found a way to lose a game like that. 
Uh, but, you know, defense made a play when it counted. Offense picked it up in the second half and on the way to win. Mike, I know you're a guy that pretty much come hell or high water, you find a way to play games. Um, and I know oftentimes you do it with injuries. Um, I know you were dealing with the ankle for a while since week four. You weren't on the injury report this week, but how are you feeling overall? Oh, I'm feeling a, a lot better, a lot better. And it has to do with, you know, not getting tackled and, and things like that. And the training staff, they're doing a great job. And the coach is looking out for me in practice. And, uh, you know, I was, I was close to 100% for sure. Um, and I'm almost 100%. And I was just going to ask, too, um, I, I feel like I asked the same question to Rob and Tom last week, but but that fade route with, with you and, and Tom, you guys are like six for six or seven for seven on that particular play in the red zone this year. What makes you guys so effective uh, with that play? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm a big receiver. Uh, I love fades. I love getting the ball in the goal line area. And Tom's ball placement is one of the best all time. So you know, that's a good combination. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about statistics versus wins and things like that. Um, and and you clearly made it clear that uh, wins are a lot more important than, than numbers. Uh, with that said, though, has it been a little bit of frustrating uh, a time for you late the last couple of games? And and uh, was it nice to get some redemption tonight, especially going up against a guy like Bradbury, who who uh, has has played you well in the past when he was with Carolina? Uh, yeah, um, of course, I always I want the ball. Every receiver wants the ball. Um, it's just we don't dictate the coverage. The, the, the defenses this year, they have made it a point to not let me get anything deep, having a safety over me um, majority of the game. And uh, we, good thing we have a lot of playmakers, and um, you know everybody's been doing their job. When when it, we do get man coverage, everybody else is getting open as well. So it could be frustrating at times, but winning makes everything feel a lot, lot better. Hey, Mike, a big night for Jaden Mickens stepping into Chris's role. Uh, made some key catches on third, even fourth down. Just want to ask you what he did to step up and kind of play much more than people expect him to. Oh, he had a great week of preparation. Uh, he, he told me today, he was like, hey, I'm going to make some plays today and show that I can be out there with y'all. And you know, I told him, I said, hey, we know you can play. Just do what you do. And, and he did that. He played great tonight. Like you said, he made some huge plays for us. And we're appreciative. And he, he, I, I expect him to continue to do that when his number's called. Mike, getting the win, pulling it out to be 6-2 and two and still on top of the division, how much does this set up Sunday night with the Saints as, as a huge game for you guys? Well, it's Sunday night football. The two teams, uh, top two in the division. It's going to be a good one. At home, we're going to have some fans in there. That, that's what that's what we need. Uh, we need fans in these stadiums, man, because it's been some good football played this year. And, uh, you know, it makes a lot of difference when the fans are out there getting to enjoy it with us. You know, I keep bringing this up, too. Forget about all the stats and all the yards and, and trying to make the Pro Bowl and incentives. This guy just wants to win. The guy, the guy has had one winning season since he's been here in Tampa Bay. He's now in his seventh year. Hasn't played in a playoff game. Just go win. Uh, and that's what this team is built for right now is to contend for a Super Bowl and go win games in January when it matters the most. So kudos to Evans. Uh, kudos to the Bucks. Also on our Hooters postgame show, I had the opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with second-year DB Sean Murphy Bunting. Big second-half interception helped swing the momentum the Bucks way in a, in a back-and-forth game to help them get the win. We talked about all of it, uh, including the most important thing, the victory itself last night. 
congratulations on the victory. What changed, Sean, in the second half and this, de this defense turned it up and was able to get takeaways? What was different? Uh, definitely just the intensity. You know, we weren't playing um, as intense as we usually are in the first half. Not really sure, you know, why that happened or why we were, you know, playing the way we were playing, but we definitely all had to kick it up and, and turn it up a notch going into the second half, and that's what we did. But we came out and we, we became the aggressor and, and started to uh, click once again as we usually do and play as, a, as, a, as an entire defense. Sean, we've been talking a lot on this post-game show before you come on about film study, about young guys yourself, Carlton, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield, Jordan Whitehead. You're in that film study room. Just speak more to how important that is and the extra film study paying off. Yeah, so um, we get extra film study, you know, throughout the week uh, outside of practice, specifically on our off days. We all meet up, um, get food, and, and uh, meet in the meeting room and, and watch film. Um, but the main thing is just being on the same page with each other. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you you want to know that your your brother, your guy next to you, knows what's going on. He knows that if you do a certain thing, he's going to be over top of you and, and vice versa. And uh, just watching film together, it, it helps us recognize formations. It helps us know when um, Jamel's going to jump a certain route or Carlson's going to jump a certain route so he knows that Whitehead needs to be over top of him and, and things like that. So. Um, it definitely just makes us makes us more comfortable with each other and it makes it a lot easier playing on the field at the same time with each other. Your play's a big one in that second half as well. Describe the interception with Shaq Barrett pressuring Daniel Jones. Describe what you saw and what you did. Yeah, so uh, he ran like a snag route or whip route, which basically is kind of like a, a in route, whip back out to find the zone, sit in the zone. Um, and uh, we were in the zone, and so for that reason, I was able to just keep my eyes on the quarterback. I saw that he didn't go all the way across the field, so I figured he was going to come back out once, you know, the quarterback got out of the pocket. Um, and then once he got out of the pocket, I didn't, I personally didn't think he was going to make that throw. Uh, but once he tried it, I knew that if he was going to try to make the throw, I'd jump it and, and it'd be, you know, a, a kind of a bang bang to catch hit or, or something like that. And so I just took my took my shot and tried to tried to jump the route, and I did. And real quick, because I know you've got to go as well, the final two-point play, you guys took time out. Was there discussion, now it can be told, was there discussion that that ball's going to Deion Lewis and Antoine Winfield certainly ran all the way across the defensive formation like he knew it was going to Winfield or going to uh, to Lewis on that play? What about it, Sean, and the play that he made? Right, that was a great play by Winfield. Um, just a great recognition play. Uh, he knew that the ball was going to go there. He knew that it was going to be a short throw, um, a quick throw at that. They brought him, they were in an empty formation, they brought him across the field, probably thinking that there was going to be a linebacker on him. Um, and when you do that, most of the time you bring a guy across the field, you're going to try to pick him with a guy that's on the opposite side. And so um, when Winfield got over, he, he's able to run through, run through traffic and just make that play. And that's just a heads up, a uh, big time play. And that, that's another play that comes with film study. And so, um, you know, just recognizing that stuff and recognizing what these guys are trying to do in certain situations, it allows you to play faster and, and more free. And aggressive. 25-23 is the victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, over the New York Giants. Yes, a one-win Giant team, but look, one-win teams. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings had won one game, and they beat the Green Bay Packers at Green Bay. And that may end up being big down the road uh, for the Buccaneers for playoff seating, etc. might be big for the Packers for the division race with the Bears, uh, etc., etc. Give, uh, give credit where it is due here. Um, to the Bucks to take care of a one-win team that, that had them down by 10 points in their house 
And yet Tom Brady and the Bucks able to rebound and get the victory. All right, a couple more superlatives coming out of this game. As we made uh, mention on the broadcast, those two touchdowns in the second half were both goal to go inside the 10-yard line again. The Bucks have now been goal to go 22 times in the first eight games and have 22 touchdowns. That is the most incredible streak in team history, obviously. And it is in terms of 2,000 uh, being the, the first time they've kept the goal-to-go stats. So moving forward, 21 seasons since through, ta- through 2000. No other team in the NFL has begun the year 22 for 22 on goal-to-go touchdowns. The next closest team is 14 for 14. It was like the Tennessee Titans 14 for 14 to start a year uh, in the 2000s. But man, I mean, whether it's it's handing it off on a sledgehammer a play to Ronald Jones or using the play action to Gronkowski or uh, floating it in the air to Evans or Godwin. The, the Brady has found his weapons and uh, 22 for 22 speaks for itself. Tom Brady, by the way, finished again, 28 of 40 completion percentage uh, again, right around 70%, 279 yards, two touchdowns. I say again, I keep coming in here and saying this, don't throw the ball to the other team. Look at the difference. Look at the difference now as Tom Brady continues to rack up the touchdown-to-interception ratio. You know He had the two picks in the opening game with the Saints. He's got one interception uh, since that time in all the action. And in fact, now in the last six games, what is it? Brady now, uh, I'm going to look chronologically at all of the uh, at all of the games here, but chronologically, Brady now has got, what, 17 touchdowns and one interception? In the last six ball games, and you're five and one in those games. Do not throw interceptions. Yes, they had a turnover, not his fault with Ronald Jones in the first half. Uh, much the same way late in the first half of the Bears game, a turnover by the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn on a on a throw and catch. I thought that was a bad call for the replay uh, official to overturn that and say it was a fumble. But in any event, Brady's only thrown one interception, folks. Uh, and to this point in the season, the stats are fantastic. Uh, now on the year, give credit where it's due. 20 touchdowns, only four picks. Uh, in the And in the last six games, I will total up uh, all of the math again here when I get to look at this, that, uh, yes, 2, 4, 6, uh, 7, 12, and the 8 there. Yes, 15, 15 touchdown passes now and one interception. Uh, in the last six ball games, that, what a difference that has made! Twenty and four, twenty touchdowns, four interceptions overall. You really go after the first game; it's eighteen to two touchdown INT uh, ratio here for Tom Brady. So I, I was right actually the first time. So it is seventeen to one on touchdowns to INTs. The last six games with a five and one record uh, for Tom Brady. Uh, forgive me, all the stats kind of jumbled together after a Monday night, a late night Monday night, but they're all positive things. And again, for this defense, I mentioned Carlton Davis uh, with his fourth interception of the season, Sean Murphy Bunting getting one. The Buccaneers have now had at least two takeaways um, in five of the last six games. How about that? At least two takeaways, five of the last six games. So Todd Bowles' defense being able to get that done. So some some great work. Uh, to pull that out on Monday night, you could look at it as a sandwich game, a trap game in between, a big win at Las Vegas on the road, and then coming back home to play the Saints on Sunday night football. 
But Monday night games, how much of a trap game can it be on Monday night? you got to get geeked up for that, and we'll have a Monday night game with the Rams at home later on in the year uh, at Raymond James Stadium coming later in this month. For now, it will be the New Orleans Saints, who, speaking of Chicago, went to Soldier Field and beat the Bears on an overtime field goal in a wild game. Drew Brees and company right behind the Bucks, one half game behind in the loss column as the Bucks maintain first place in the NFC South. So first place on the line, Sunday night football, as uh, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and uh, the entire NBC crew will be in Raymond James Stadium for one of the first times, man, in probably going on a decade. We have had a couple of Sunday night games on the road, but it has been a rarity for Sunday night football at home. Again, they love to show the Cowboys. They'd show the Cowboys 57 times if they could. They love the Patriots with Brady in the past. They love the big market teams like the Eagles or the Bears to be on Sunday night. The Seahawks have been on a bunch on Sunday night. Of course, the Bucks were supposed to be on Sunday night with the Raiders, but the Raiders' positive COVID test back two weeks ago moved the game from being a Sunday night road game in Las Vegas to an earlier game on Fox. Uh, and the, the Sunday night crew went and did the Seattle game. They've had Seattle now for three times. Uh, this season so in any event Sunday night football Raymond James Stadium will be on the air on the network at 7 eastern time for the Saints rematch off the week one game that New Orleans won 34 to 23 payback time for Brady and company with the way that he has been playing uh, over the course of these last six games Buccaneers six and two again for only the third time in franchise history last time they were six and two they got to eight and two in the 2002 season and won the Super Bowl Let's see if the roll continues here with a division opponent coming in. Always, always feisty, if not nasty, when the Bucks are playing the Saints. And Buccaneers owe these guys one. A lot of trash talk by the Saints coming out of that, that first win. That's the only thing about the, the division that we love. You get a second chance at guys later on in the year. Let's see if the Bucks can take advantage of it. Coming up at, uh, at uh, Sunday night at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday Night Football. That'll do it. Here for this edition of Nothing But Bucks, my thanks to Steve Carney helping me with the highlights and the interviews. Jeff Ryan is our director of broadcasting. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast however you found it through the Buccaneers mobile app, a social media link, Buccaneers.com, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe away here to Nothing But Bucks. It'll come automatically to you. We'll be back on Monday recapping hopefully another Buccaneer win off Sunday Night Football with the Saints. For now, we are done. Bucks to 6-2. and two. Saints coming Sunday night at home. We're back after it's over on Nothing But Bucks. Bye.